Hi, and welcome to the Final Report Podcast, where HMC Investigations shares real-life cases with you, the listener, so that you can have an educated opinion on the case. This week, we're discussing the murder of Karen Swift. This is Episode 12, The Murder of Karen Swift, Part 3. For comments and questions, please send an email to thefinalreportpodcast at gmail.com. Tracy, is it is it hot down there? You're you're a lot closer to Dyersburg than I am. I, I have a feeling that uh, they might be feeling the heat a little bit. It is not only hot; I can see flames from here. It's fire. Like, <laughs> Dyersburg's on fire. Dyersburg is on fire, Dyersburg's and it's not fire. so much as it's on fire as the people of the town have united together, and they are wearing oh, yeah. Justice Warrior T-shirts. And they have their their <laughs> flame. Not yet, but they will stick. be. They will be flame on a stick. What is I that mean, called? You know, it's it's just that I feel like um I feel like people are just like fed up, you know, because you know it's funny that you know everybody seems so eager to talk, and really the only ones who aren't are the ones that have been told not to and that have already been given, you know, some uh, preconceived notion of what we're about and what we're doing, which is completely false. Um, But, you know, I can always tell who they are because as soon as I, you know, tell them who I am and what I'm doing, then all of a sudden it's... um, Hostility. Yes, they, yeah. But anybody else... The horns come out, the steam... Right. Look and anybody else, anybody that hasn't already been gotten to is just friendly and just eager to talk about, you know, everything that they know about Dyersburg and all the problems they've been having and that they know right. of and, and everything else. And um, Well, the things that get me, and I don't, I'm not being, because I understand it, this is not our first rodeo, but the thing that really gets me is, Justice for Karen, justice for Karen. Oh, justice. You know what? Justice for Karen starts in your own home. Not in my home, not in your home. And the homes in Dyersburg where the people know the truth and they want somebody else to fix their inability to speak up. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Well, it doesn't start with silence, that's for sure. But, you know, from the beginning, and Tracy, I mean, I think you've pretty much listened to every single interview that I've done, just about, haven't you, most of them at least? Yes. And um, pretty much from the beginning, I mean, it's it's a common theme. Everybody's just, you know, scared to talk and and, uh, seems to be, um, you know, I mean, they're the ones telling us this stuff. We're not coming in there making this stuff up. You know, people are telling us, like, we don't trust. Our law enforcement. And one we particular don't. gentleman, I do remember, sorry for interrupting, I do remember not listening to any type of um, recorded message or anything. It was an actual, I was on three ways, so I heard the man oh, speaking. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like to call this man Goose. And that's all we'll <laughs> say about Goose. But um, Mr. Goose likes to talk a lot. Yeah, Goose has been saying a lot of shit lately. 
Um, and and we're not going to go any further on that. We're gonna we're gonna leave. No, Goose we'll leave Goose. We're, we'll, yep. we'll let him to cook himself. So. Yeah, we'll let, we'll just let Goose cook all by himself, roast himself on that fire spit. Just keep oh. turning it. Cook, it's cook, sad, cook, though. cook, cook, I mean, Goose, cook, Goose, cook. <laughs> Stop it, Tracy. And I'm the one. Oh, I'm the one drinking wine, and you ask me. <laughs> well, you don't know what I've had. <laughs> well, oh, well. Oh, okay, man. <laughs> no, I meant as far as I. Okay, I've had low blood sugar, so I, I, because I'm. Oh, you're drunk on low blood sugar. Okay. No, I'm drunk on eating the sugar. I'm on a sugar high. Oh, you're sugar drunk. Got it. Yeah, okay. marshmallows with um, mini well, chocolate I just, chips. I just Let's had me a salmon mashed potato green bean dinner <gasps> from Applebee's, but mm. I've got to tell you. Knoxville mm-hmm. needs to get it together. Their Applebee's here needs to step it up because it was not very good. Not compared oh. to not compared to Applebee's salmon that I've had in the past, and not very good. But the Moscato that I bought from the liquor store next door uh, is washing it down quite nicely. It's making it all. Oh well, that's good. That makes it yes. all go away. Yeah, it's just it's just slightly over seasoned. It's not. Um, it's just overseason. Anytime it's overkill, you know. But so the, now we're going to be um, considered. Not only are we considered um, according to some, not only um, are we considered to be giving false information or misleading information and negative investigative misleading information. <laughs> right. We're also it. drunk on the sugar high. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we got we got our problem. We all got our problem. We have we have some let's, serious issues. Let's all just own up to our problems. I have no problem with that. That's a whole other podcast that I probably would have way more listeners on. <laughs> well, well, we also need to. Uh, it's called our little bit of calm before the phones start ringing late at night, and. Um, it starts all over again and in the morning because I know I'm a morning person and I never text Heather in the morning, ever. Whatever. You're such a liar. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, we I, live I breathing. As soon as I wake up. Yeah, we live breathing. Do everything. We, we, to we eat, sleep, and breathe the Karen Swift case right now. Which right. I, I wanted to mention, you know, when we started this podcast, we're like, we're going to – we're going to record a new episode every single week. Yeah, right. And solve murder cases. And, you know, I mean, I, I know I'm wearing you out. Well, actually, you're kind of wearing me out. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we're wearing each other out. I mean, we're we're both equally passionate about this case, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, but on top of uh, on top of the case, you know, you you uh, help out with your grandkids and and uh, and I'm working on my master's degree, you know, all these different things that we're doing. And it's like, man. And you work. Right. Well, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, and to so get like, money. And how much, wait, I want to clear this up. Mm-hmm. You already know the answer. I already know what you're about to ask me. Well, then. Do you want me to say it? Pretend like you're shocked. Yeah, how well, much are you getting paid to for this, for the SWIFT case, on the SWIFT case? Is, how much? This is um, one of three cases uh, in all my life that I've ever taken on free of charge. And, you know, I... Do you get any donations? No, no, (laughs) ma'am. 
don't have you got any stopped. reimbursement for gas, uh, no. staying overnight, sleeping no. in? Um, even some of your the the team has I know mm-hmm. have slept in truck stops just to mm-hmm. um, just to make you know just to be able to assist me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to be um, able to be no. there. No, we're all, you know, and my team is awesome, Um, you and Michael, and, you know, my team is just awesome because, um, you know, you guys get behind me. When I get passionate about something, when I get turned on to something, you guys follow pretty quickly, and uh, and we're we're good like that. You know, this is, um, and, you know, there have been um, in the past ones that, you know, obviously that we've, that, that I've gotten paid for. That I've been able right, to, right. Um, that I've been able to pay. Experience. I mean, you've got to get some right. experience in there. <laughs> you've right. got to get so paid for been, some. But in this instance, in the past, that I've gotten paid for and been able to pay Michael to come out and, you know, um, protect me. He's my he's my big bad bodyguard. But the truth is, he's a teddy bear. I protect him. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw <laughs> I saw that gun. I thought it was a sway bar in his truck. Girl, it's like, I was like, <laughs> is that a sway bar? Uh huh. That was a that was a badass gun. That twelve but, gauge. Yeah. But was, we don't just that. follow you. We also give you a rash of shit. I know. I'll give you shit. Michael will give you shit, and we all meet in the middle. Always. You know. I mean, we're not, you know, even though um, we're independent of each other, and that's what right. makes it so good is because our ideas come from different experiences and knowledge. Yes, we are independent of each other, but we also um, work really well together. So Right, right. Um, but Michael's worked um, a couple different murder cases with me, and actually um, I met him. And, and we're talking about Michael Bolton. Uh, I, I would say Bolton. What? It's not Bolton. It's Bolton. I know it's not he's Michael not, Bolton, not the, the singer. He's the not little, the scrawny, you little know. white dude. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, but um, Michael Bolton, uh, he has a bounty hunting uh, business, fugitive recovery business. Right. I think is it's, the called, it's called Michael's, isn't it? Michael's, Michael's fugitive recovery. Fugitive recovery. Mm-hmm. Plug, Michael. And And, you know, oddly enough, He's from that area, and he right. he um he frequents that area. He works for a lot of the Bills bondsmen around there, and he 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 brings in fugitives. And so he actually spends you know some time around the jail and the sheriff's department and stuff um, down there where we're working. And so it's a little strange to me um uh that little tid you know that little fact that little tidbit of information, but. But he's awesome, and he's you know he's just got a great heart, and um, and with and me, really I back, have been so. following this case because you were very, you at the time were very very, beside your own personal life, you were mm-hmm. very involved with the Holly Bobo case. I right. followed it, but mm-hmm. I was not involved. I also that was before time, you knew me, or else you would have been. You, right, you would have been pulling me by yeah. my hair. The um, I wouldn't have I had to. Also, you. Would have been right beside me the whole. I know you would have. Yeah. Would the have. um, the the Karen Swift story came out, of course, not long after Holly Bobo. So I was also following that and following these people. Oh, it's a serial killer, and it's like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we definitely have come together on this 
somehow the stars all aligned at the right time. Mm-hmm. And um, all of our paths have crossed, you know, very um, divinely. You know, it, it was not an accident. You, me, Michael, uh, Bert. My, my, yeah, Bert, my TBI guy that I'm not going to name. Um, yes. But just everybody that I am working with. And Fletcher. With and that, and Fletcher. Yeah. You know, even though, okay, so now that we've brought up Fletcher, let's go ahead and, and tackle this uh, obstacle. Um, sad news. Yeah, it is sad news. But uh, happy we were, on his part. Happy right, for him. Right, Fletcher, Fletcher Long, who was um, our third-party co-host on this show, um, he has moved on. Um, he's got other things going on. He just doesn't have the time for it. He's also... Bigger, but not necessarily better. Well... It no, probably is better, but we're just going to pretend. <laughs> right. I don't know. But, but yeah, you know, we uh, we love him and we wish him well. And he may come on as a guest speaker down the road. And, um, and we really, you know, we welcome that. We always welcome his thoughts because. Um, he really got the ball rolling. He really did a, yeah, mm-hmm. excellent job of getting us and he's, situated. He, you and I, Tracy, we tend to see things um a lot alike, and right. I, I think we're we're so similar. But Fletcher is um is so opposite from either of us. I think that um, in some kinda, ways, yeah. yeah. So he kind of you know gave that extra uh, little perfection, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, this extra degree, extra level of um, entertainment, I suppose. And when we he agreed with us, we would get on the phone afterwards and go, I didn't think he would agree with us. He agrees. He agrees. We would be so excited because well, like, he, we he agreed with right us. A, he agreed with us a lot more than I than I expected when we started the yeah. show. I thought we were going to be arguing all the time, but but no, it was, it was great, and it was it was a good run. I think we had um, eleven episodes with him, and uh, and I can't wait to have him on as a guest speaker. But but man, we uh, you know, like I said, I mean, we are so busy, and this Karen Swift case is really taking up all of our time and I mean for me justifiably so but yeah I I think at this point you know I've I've put in hundreds of hours of work into this case um it's and by I far put in about two whatever whatever <laughs> yeah, I mean if you've even listened to my 20 plus hours of audio clips that I have then you've put in a lot but But, uh, I mean, I don't even know. That's an estimation. But, I mean, I've got so many freaking audio clips. It's ridiculous. Well, let me stop you there and and go back a little bit. Because we were talking about um, you and the the team and how you do not, are not taking donations. You are not taking anything at all for the Swift case. There's not nothing. at this not at this time, but I will right. tell you that we are about to start investing money, um, and I'm I'm probably going to have to invest money out of my own pocket right. for some for some experts, and I don't want to get too deep into that I just agree. yet. I agree, but at that point, um, mm-hmm. you know, just because you know, obviously, I have bills to pay, and I'm putting a lot of time into this and I yeah, probably you can't pour would money not. into it too. I, I, I don't know that I will solicit donations, but I probably would not refuse a donation if somebody offered to help with some of the costs of these experts. 
to uh, alleviate the cost. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Because it, it is, wouldn't um, be money in your pocket. What it would be is it'd be a, a bill to here. To help with the cost. And this bill is, yes. say, let's say $2,000. Right. That's a good number. Somebody, Where did you come up with that? <laughs> because I don't know. $2,000 to get started. You are absolutely correct. But, and then, so somebody like has, they're able to come up with $1,000 for this. Right. And, and somebody else is able to come up with 10. It's not like people are going to be, um, how do I say this? You're going to see the, you're going to see it. It's cash. It's cash. Okay, you give me ten dollars, then we're up to one thousand ten. Well, it's not going to be like a two thousand dollar bill is going to be five thousand dollars in right. your pocket. The other three. And no. See, the reason, uh-uh. the reason for this, the reason this is important, and I am hell bent on doing this. And if I have to pay for it myself, I will. And um, it's not a defense fund this, in any way. Sense no, of the word. Oh God, no, no. Okay, no, just so get that out of there. That, but um, but no, I um, I think that this is very important because as far as what I can do for this investigation, which is go out there, talk to people, you know, make them comfortable, you know, to tell me what they know, and 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 that's a difficult thing to do in Dyersburg, like we said before, because of how many people are afraid to talk. Right, right, but, and I understand but, you know, the fear. I'm uh, I'm I'm going out there. I'm meeting people. I'm talking to people, and you know, it's like when people find out what I'm doing. You know, I I mean, a lot of the information I'm getting is not even solicited. Like I'm not knocking on their door. I'm not calling them. Some of these people are just you know walking up to me because they know what I'm doing um, in Dyersburg, and other people are message you know getting a hold of me through Facebook, and they're all telling me this. Oh, did you hear this? You know, and did you know this? And it's all based around the same theory that we have presented in the very beginning. And our first podcast, Tracy, um, you know, when we first came out, you know, that was so raw. Like, that was just based on On the Karen Swift case? Yes, our very first podcast. Right, because we were getting texts as we were talking. But, but I mean, back then it was, we'd only talked to a few people. And right. we just had a very basic theory. And some of it might not even have been, some of them, the rumors might not have been complete accuracy. But because um, I think I said something stupid that made no sense, but it made sense in my head about <laughs> <laughs> about serial killers. Oh, no, serial killers. But it was more in the fact of not all serial killers, a serial killer in this case. And I didn't um, put in this case, so it was I don't, I don't stupid like that. I don't think anybody remembers. Well, I lose <laughs> I, sleep I over it. I lose sleep no over it. About. <laughs> I mean, I've talked to a lot of people since then, Tracy. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but um, but seriously though, you know what we had back then was so raw and just this basic yep. theory that we had based on just the few people that we had talked to. And since then, we have just so much information. We have solidified and just, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, like, you know, the things that Karen had confided in her friends, um, we have managed to 
um, talked to other friends who have corroborated the same sort of um, confession from I wanted Aaron. to touch on that, too. The corroboration. One time doesn't a story make. Mm-hmm. But when... <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> One time well, that, doesn't a story make. <laughs> that's No, I was trying to be more like like all psychological and stuff, not no, Yoda-like. But I feel like Jabba. Anyway. Jabba? So, Jabba the Hutt. Is that Java? That's not anyway. Go I on. I don't know. I don't watch it. But um, anyway, the um, you do you do definitely corroborate. Get corroborating witnesses. There have also there's also been talk from other agencies supposedly that um, said you tried to get the information from them, but it was the information you had given them. Yeah. In the first place. Yeah, yeah. When when because he's first out started, there running his mouth about that too. Right. When we first started on this investigation, um, Goose contacted uh, a law enforcement agency in a different jurisdiction, and in a jurisdiction that I had previously worked a case that I was actually being paid for. Um, and it was another cold case that had. Oh God, I I've got a in my brain, I, I can't keep these days. Wait, when was she killed? This is a... Oh, God, 82? Yeah, it was, yeah, was, it was it? a long time ago. I don't think it was the 80s. It was the, baby, the 90s. Well, and it wasn't just her killed. It was a double homicide. It was her. She, oh, yeah. Right. Her and her baby. But anyway, it was a cold case. They hadn't done anything with it. They literally had absolutely nothing. Hadn't even talked to the witness that found her body. And um, and Goose got a hold of um, the lead detective on that case. Who was the third detective, by the way. Who was the third detective who had been on the case, whom I had spoken to when he first came on, and he told me that, um, you know, he, he didn't know anything about the case. The case was, like, way down on a list of cold cases to be looked at. Um, but this particular case... Um, was a serial murder case where the woman, the the man that had killed her, had also killed other people, and he's still walking around free. And I had, you know, pretty strong evidence that he had murdered her and these other women, and uh, and taken it to them. And and that's had, a podcast of ours, right? That's the brutal slaying of Raquel Jackson. But um, but you know, the the lead detective that worked this case, the homicide department gave me zero information, zero information about that case. I gave right. them, I gave them what I had. They never gave me anything. And the majority was after, from the sister of the deceased. Right. And so after Goose got a hold of them, then I get a, a email from that lead detective uh, scolding me for my podcast and telling me it's an open investigation and so on and so forth. And I'm you know, and that uh, they will not be sharing information with me again. Well, you never shared information with me to begin with. I shared information with you. So right. um, it was very <laughs> right. interesting, very interesting how that went down. But obviously, Goose was trying to cause some problems for me. So, um, yeah, that, that's, what's the, that's what it's all about. Uh, this Goose is spending so much time. Trying, trying to discredit me, trying to, and trying to shut you, me down. That it's uh, awfully um, 
awfully suspicious. Well, we won't. Was that suspicious of that this gentleman did anything? We won't be saying that. Suspicious. You know, um, just not suspicious. This this gentleman we call Goose didn't did, did anything. But if he would spend time getting to the facts and getting to know you and be nicer, then the two of you could share information, well, and then the sick call. I don't it even could expect solved. them. I don't even expect them to share information with me. They're not going to share right. information well, with me. That's never the case. Work with you. you know, Let's in say any work case, with you. in any murder case I have ever worked, um, it's never been that way. Right. The it's law enforcement is not sharing anything with me. And that, um, that makes sense. I have to say, that makes sense. You have right. to give them that. But the no, fact I don't of, expect them to, yeah. But the fact of sharing and caring mm-hmm. or being a complete obstinate roadblock right. because you think, they think they know what's going through your mind. They think that you are working for David Swift. Right. And the thing about that is that, you know, I... I wouldn't hesitate to flip um, if if I thought for one second, if anybody, you know, put any shred of evidence in front of me, um, anything that pointed to David, I would look at it. I would I would seriously consider that. But you know, the difference, and and I think you know, this is this is what it all boils down to is that the difference between my investigation and the um, sheriff's department's investigation is that. I didn't come in with a suspect. I came in completely non-biased, looking for answers, talking to people, taking tips, going in the direction that they led me in. And they haven't led me to David. And if you go to Dyersburg and you ask anybody in that town, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, some people say it's 50-50. Some, some think that uh-uh. it's our theory and that's, I don't even think it's fifty fifty. No, because- I, uh-uh. I say, and I haven't been into the town knocking on doors like you have, but I mm-hmm. do do a lot of research in different mm-hmm. areas and different things. And if you listen to that first first podcast, I was, and I talked to you ahead of time. I said, Heather, I think you did it. Yeah. And um, then we, I, I started going along, and I started. Because, only because, and this is the reason because I thought he did it, because right. I do do research. And the majority of these types of murders, right. especially statistically someone, he did it. Right. The statistically, he did it, but he did not do it in reality. Those are right. two different things. So I was letting myself be led by statistics. Right. As it started going further and further, that's like, wait a minute. And which maybe the, the police obviously have to go by statistics. But as you go further no, and further they into they, it. They go by statistics, you know, in the very, very beginning. But right. you also, I mean, if we're talking about statistics, let's talk about, you know, how many leads that they've had that have led them in this other direction versus the direction they're going in. And statistically, how could that many people be lying or wrong and, you know, I just, I mean, unless David Swift has some sort of, like, psychic mind manipulation powers that he's sending out over the universe and making, like, all these people that I doubt he's like, ever even spoken to. That's down you know, in Cuba. Those, 
that's all going on. Come out of the woodwork. These people, you know, all of these people who, you know, are saying, you know, even just last week I had another witness um, contact me to tell me that they had seen this uh, prominent man. We'll continue to call him prominent man instead of call him by his name, even though really honestly, I don't think legally there's any reason that we should No, because it's been it's been all over social media. Oh it's yeah, so it's been all over known. social media, so it's like, psh, it's right. But I, I'll respect. I would like to, just on my, for my benefit, just say prominent man because right. I feel, I just yeah. feel better saying that. I mean, we'll just we'll keep can, we'll continue to be politically like correct and and yeah, yeah and tiptoe <laughs> around you know as much as we can. But you know, when you've got, I mean, this this information is so widely known. Right. And it has been widely known since before we came on the scene. Oh, hell, yeah. Long before we came Long on the before. Scene. And I have a question for you, too. Um, not necessarily interviews. Not how many people, how many people have you spoken to about this case? Seriously, my brain hurts a little. Now you got to come up with a number so these people know they're not one of ten or one of twenty. No, it. I'm thinking in the fifties, sixties. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's not. I don't think we've gotten up in the hundreds yet. Not yet, but uh, yet definitely in the fifties. So yeah. it is growing, and out of all those fifty people, mm-hmm. there's only one that believes that David is Karen's killer. And that would be what, Karen's mom? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even really spoken to her either, and I'm sure, you know, she had been gotten a hold of before. Oh, definitely. When I sent the report to her, I had, you know, I, I did so with the mindset that it would probably end up over there and um and and these people well i mean you know in the beginning of the investigation i guess at this point i probably maybe interviewed under 10 people i guess um you know everybody's saying you know please don't give them my name please don't give them my name and then when i took when i talked to goose um he asked me for everything i had and i told him i said well nobody trusts you guys and if I give it to you you have to promise me that you know my sources are going to be okay they're not going to be intimidated they're not going to be harmed in any way and he assured me so um, I did what I thought was the right thing and I sent everything over to them and uh, then lo and behold one of my witnesses who I had not spoken with in person yet but who had um, agreed to talk to me um, all of a sudden I couldn't get an answer from her so um, anyway, we we aren't going to go too much deeper into that right now, um, but I did I did end up getting out of her at least that she was um, told you know not to talk to me. Let's just let's just put it this way: um, my my case file uh, is in the hands of I think at least a dozen a dozen people who can do something about it. Correct. Um, from, Correct. That's a good way to put it. From, and and also media. Right. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. From from people in the legal field to people in law enforcement to people in media. 
my right. case file from um, recorded interviews, reports, court documents, um, just about everything you could think of. Um, and not just in one town. It's not like no. this law enforcement in this town over here near near Nashville, Mm-mm. and that this the same law enforcement right. kind of has so, information in Memphis. So it's not like you can just like go to one of them and say, "Hey, no, it's all." Well, over. and so I guess with that being said, I mean, if I'm lying, then you know, I mean there are at least a dozen people with access to what I've done and how I've come up with my conclusions. So um, they can see how if I'm lying, lie, then yeah. they, can either, they can either tell you, yeah, she's lying, or no, she's not lying, because they have the same information and everything that I have. Yeah, exactly. So they know, yeah, exactly, point, yeah. If, why, why, would you, why, would Drum roll. Over, why would you hand over lies? <laughs> well, we just, I, I mean, I it mean, just makes no sense. I just think it's know, because the heat is being felt. And something that I heard today that um, someone was told was something that they were told the someone, same thing. Something, something. <laughs> I know. Okay. So evasive. I know. I'm being evasive for a reason. And the same thing out of the mouth was something that we're close to an arrest mm-hmm. was made recently. Yep. And that same very same thing was said to them seven years ago. Seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a tactic. We're well, close to arrest. It's, it's, I, it's you know. A, I I don't want to. I'm not going to go quite as far as to say that. Honestly. And and I've um, and maybe they this, are. I know but... this is I know this is easy for me to say because you know David Swift, um, if he did not commit this murder, which I do not believe he did, for him to be arrested and have to go through trial to prove that he didn't do it, to prove his innocence, you know, to do that, um, if they indict him and he goes through all that, it's you know it's going to take a year or two or however long out of his life. Um, now how is how is that supposed to work? You're I you're guilty until proven innocent? I don't get it. Well is that, is that I any mean, type I don't know because I, I don't really I don't, know how it would work, you know, if he would is get that out a on civil rights violation? I don't I don't really know how that would be handled, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if he would be you know, if that would be one, you know, because a lot of times cases like this they sit in jail until they um you know they might they might be held without um without bond they might sit in jail until their trial and then you know if for some reason they ended up like lessening or dropping or whatever then you know being released if he if he was found not guilty you know he'd be released at trial or you know if they whatever i don't know there's so many different ways it could go but anyway i just feel like um honestly you know the good news is that, you know, our investigation has ruffled feathers. It's gotten this investigation moving again. And, um, you know, I hate to see an innocent man, um, again, as I said, I believe he's innocent, you know, based on what I know. Um, and the but, 95% people in that town are 99.9%. Right. right. 
so I hate to see an innocent man um, sit in jail for for even a night, for you know, overnight for something he didn't do. But um, <laughs> and I know this is easy for me to say, and uh, if David Swift is listening, I apologize in advance. But um, you know, something's got to happen, and you know, I'm glad this case is moving again, and um, and I hope that when it's all said and done, you know, for David, um, I hope that uh, when it's all said and done that he can, you know, get some peace in his life again because, you know, I feel, you know, based on what I know that he is a victim of this, that, that and when he's you not say David. I want to, I'm sorry, David Swift. Right. You know, I believe, when you say I believe, David, I'm sorry, but I got to plant my foot down right here. When you say David Swift, I want the audience to know, when you say David Swift, you're incorporating his entire family. Oh, you don't just mean him as a single person. But, but he he singly is the target. Right. But so his children are enduring this. His, his current, um, you know, his family. Right. And when you, in other words, you're not referring just to, you're referring to the children and the not as far as going to jail, but as far as um, the whole family has suffered. I, you right. Know, there, so no doubt about that, especially the children. So there's see the reason I don't include the children in that statement is because there's no question as to whether or not the children have suffered. Everybody knows right. that. You know, right. that's, that's assumed. That's given. But you know, for David, I think you know people don't treat him like a victim because they believe he's the perpetrator. And I believe that the most of the people that believe he's the perpetrator are are not believe. Most of the people that say, difference between believe and say, he is the perpetrator, mm -hmm. tend to be law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, law enforcement and the family. Now, there are friends... Uh, there are people that Karen was running around with there in Dyersburg who have not spoken to me, and um, and and we know that many of them were told not to speak to me. And I don't know, you know, what their, you know, thoughts are, if they think he did it or, you know, if they do think he did it, why they think he did it. I don't know those things because they, never, they didn't speak to me, so I don't have that information. But in my um, opinion, you want to hear my little chit-chat about that? Sure. If they thought David did it, they'd tell you they'd be involved real quick. They'd go, David did it. Well, yeah. Why would they keep their mouth shut? Right. And, you know, specifically, you know, some of these friends, you know, when I have asked them um, about the altercation at the farms or about, the married man that Karen was involved with, you know, they that the that's when they really shut down and they, um, you know, I they'll start shaking their head and saying, "No, I'm not getting in this. I'm not getting into this." No. Yeah, isn't that funny? And instead of just saying, "Oh, David did it," they don't even right. think that because they know the truth. Yeah, they, and I didn't. They're not saying that didn't happen. That's a lie. That's a rumor. That's not true. right. That's not what I got. I got. I'm not getting in this. Right. And it, and if it was your 
best friend, not saying they're best friends, but a friend whose skull was bashed in. I mean, they don't want their skull bashed in. And it was, and it was, you, you thought 100% sure it was the husband. You would say it. I think so, but I don't know. Oh, heck yeah. I I mean, they, they were told not to talk to me, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, you know, but, um, you know, it's like and I the told. Question is it's why. It's like I told. Um, it's like I told Karen's mom. If for one second I believe that David did this, I would be gunning for him harder than the sheriff's department, harder than anyone. And um, I don't know if you know this, but I, what I, I get what I want. You know, when it comes to investigation, I mean, I'm going to get my proof if if I get you know, determined enough, and so I just, you know, I think that, like, if I felt like David did it, I'd be out there day and night losing sleep until I until I could prove it and send him away, you know. And it's just and not going that direction. It's just not gone in that direction. And and let's, let's say, yes, we cuss. Yes, we say foul things. But Heather and I, we pray before these things happen. We ask for guidance. We ask things come together the way they should. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be sitting on top of with halos around our heads, no. but we. No. we if I had a halo, I wouldn't even be here. And 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 that's one thing, you know. I feel like, um, you know, I was I was sitting in church last Sunday, and um, you know, I I, I went up to the altar and I had somebody pray with me, and I and I told him, I said, you know, what I'm doing, you know, sometimes puts me in uh, harm's way. And I, I asked them to pray for my safety, and I said, you know, not just my physical safety, but also my mental and emotional safety, because you know sometimes I get, you know, sometimes I'm under attack, and right. people people like to say bad things about me and paint me in a bad light. Well, here's the thing, you know, just like anybody else in, you know, on this planet, you know, there are things that you know, we'd prefer not to be blasted out to everybody. Right. Um, and I have my fair share of those things. And um, while I was sitting in church last Sunday, um, I just, I felt like God was just pouring all this stuff on me. And one of the things that he poured on me was that I shouldn't be afraid of people bringing forward things about me, things about my past, because when those things come forward, that gives me the platform and the opportunity to give my testimony. And, you know, this is who I am. And the reason that I am who I am is because of the life I've lived, and I have not lived a good life. Um, And the reason, and maybe the fruition of all that, the culmination of that, has led you to the experience to be where you are. Now, I, on the other hand, I have no skeletons in my closet. Uh-huh. I have been perfect my entire life. <laughs> and God sent me okay. here as, as okay. an angel to take care of Heather. All right, so now so, we know who's yin and who's yang. Now we know. <laughs> However, you are, you are if you my ask my angel, children though. or anyone that knows me, they may have a different outlook on that. Well, yeah. But, 
you know, and I'm sure, you know, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, you know, when we first got started in this case and, and I remember you and, and, um, another person contacting me and telling me that they were saying some bad things about me on topics and thank God topics are shut down now, but, um, yeah, but you know what happens when somebody says something bad, what I do about you, well, yeah, you know what, I know. yeah. I know you. I go you off, think. and I'm sorry to anybody, but no, don't say I, anything bad about Heather in front of me because I will go off on you. I love you. You're so There's great. my disclaimer. I will go off. No, but I mean, like Mama that's Bear. But see, that's why that's why I do what I do because you know, it, like as a child and in my life, nobody ever stood up for me. You know, um, I was I was abused and. Nobody stood up for me. And, you know, it's interesting because as I've gotten into this case, I have learned that that is one of the things about Karen. Parallels. That Karen Karen was also abused, and, and, and the people that should have been standing up for her were not standing up for her. And, and I think that Karen and I have similar personalities and qualities because we – don't back down and 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 it can it can kind of be a bad thing sometimes it can be it can get us into some trouble but that is why and as as i was growing up in my like teens and 20s i used to fight a lot but when i fought i was standing up for people and i didn't i didn't realize why i did that back then but now looking back and now that i know myself a little better it's because you know, because of what I went through as a child and what I went through as a teen and the life that I've lived, it has instilled in me this quality that I have to stand up for people. And by standing up for other people, I feel like I'm standing up for myself. You know, I'm I'm refusing, right. I'm standing up, I'm fighting, I'm refusing to let other people, you know, walk all over and bully me or or other people. It's like that's enough. I'm not I'm not taking this shit anymore. You know, I've reached right. that point in my life, you know, years ago <laughs> where it's like, okay, enough. I'm done with being walked all over. I'm done with watching other people be walked all over. Right. And I feel that way too. And sometimes when um when I stand up I might stand up a bit too high because Heather will come and say, tone it down, little girl. <laughs> I'm the only one allowed to act crazy, okay? <laughs> tone it down, a little girl. <laughs> You're supposed to be the reasonable one. Now, if we both act crazy, then shit, we're just... Well, I'm reasonable until the, the, the lies and the BS start. And the BS to me, which I'm, I'm not trying to, to at all. I want to be... I want to bring justice warrior is something that um, Heather is a hashtag justice warrior. And she, that's, that's big on her. Romans 831 is her. um, What then, what then shall we say about these things? If he is for us, then who can be against us? It's on my trigger finger. And I, (laughs) Romans 831 on my trigger finger. (laughs) Who can be against us? How God just yeah. got you, but um, yeah. he's my he's my gun. He's my he's my smoking bullet. So, because um, he knows my people, heart, right? You know? And the people of Dyersburg, we're not trying to. I don't want them to be think we're on their case, but we I want them to be part. That. 
I, I want them to be part. I want each one of them to be a justice warrior. And I, I wish want I could even the, tell you. I, I can't even. I think just about everyone that I've spoken with, even the ones that don't talk to me anymore, have thanked me for fighting for Karen. Right. And I don't want. And and here I am standing on my my soapbox. I don't just want them thanking you. I want those that actually know to call. To come forward. Mm -hmm. To come forward. You can say, my name is Candy Striper. Right. You'll be known as Candy Striper. But the farms, and Heather will go back over the farms, but i got to get this out before I forget it. Mm -hmm. But the farms... There was a lot of people that night. Okay, I understand. It was busy that night. Okay, I understand. But somebody that works at that farm saw the altercation take place, and I am calling them out now Mm -hmm. to call and let somebody know. We already know somebody who thought they didn't know anything. That's the problem. People think they don't know anything. But sometimes somebody saw Daryl Sells out there on a cell phone talking. Now, mm-hmm. is that is that a bad thing or a good thing? Oh, wait. Don't know. You, pro- you meant prominent man? I meant prominent man. But um, yeah. in this instance, it's not tying him to anything. So, um, Well, you know, I mean, yeah, that was, they that saw, was huge. They, and... they saw him. Yeah. Right. Um, they just saw him outside. Mm-hmm. It's like we had no idea he was at that party. Well, and we've but also they didn't think we've was, also uh, had. Let's see, we've got at least I can't. Is it two or three? I think people that were at the party that remember the altercation, but didn't actually see it. Right. But, but somebody and, there had to have been several people that saw it. Right. Several people that saw it. And for some reason, the um, not long after that, the surveillance system goes breaking. Break right. And, and that's, they're trying, you know, I mean, they're trying to say that didn't happen. But, I mean, I've, I've got yes. so many people that remember that happening in very, very intricate details about it, such as that when it happened, everybody was talking that it had to have been an inside job because how would they have known the wires outside to cut. And, and then, right, and these same and things people. like that, you know, and it's like these are very intricate details. I mean, how how can anybody say that didn't happen with those kind of details? But, um, but what I was told um, is that since it was just the surveillance system that was targeted, it didn't meet the insurance deductible, so there was no report made. But I feel pretty confident that the police were probably called, and therefore there should be dispatch records of it, even though there are no actual police reports of it. But, Heather, the important part about it, even if there was no, there's not always a police report made of a crime. No. Because, but the fact that people at that farm said, oh, yeah, I remember that happened a couple days after. Do right. they know how? Not just Avatar, that, like the whole freaking town knew. Everybody. That, but those that actually know, know, you know, that were there, that right. worked right. at the farm. Mm-hmm. 
they don't realize how important that information is to this case. But they it is don't. really easy to tell who has been who has been shut up and who hasn't because right. Well, don't shut uh, up. Don't right, shut up. Call up me, one, Candy Striper. The ones you know? that really have the valuable information have already been told not to say a word. But to me so many people don't realize they. That's my point. And here you go, audience. You're gonna hear me and Heather have a. a we're we're doing our knockdown blowout for you. Are we gonna tango? Yeah, we're gonna tango. So um, that is that's what I mean. The important people that others assume are important. What about the important people that don't even realize that they know? Mm-hmm. They don't realize what they know. One mm-hmm. time, it's sometimes it's not what you know. It's what's left out. Like how many times have we heard, talked to people and say, oh, I really don't know anything. And then it, they don't tell us anything, but it's what they don't tell us. And you're going, right. wait a minute. <laughs> Something should have happened before point A and point B, but they yeah. don't know. It's like, wait, this is people do not realize how much they they know. So well, listen, if you've worked at that farm, if you have worked, you've worked at that the night, golf club, let's, let's call be, us. Yeah, call us. Get in contact. Even if all you tell us, yeah, I walked in the door and I smoked a cigarette outside before I walked in the door and there was a bug at the bug light. You know, just, I mean, you think. That, that better have been like the biggest or the ugliest or the scariest bug that they'd ever yeah. seen if they're going to remember it seven years later. Right. But it it, it could be that all there of a sudden. a bug uh, talking on its cell phone. And then, then all of a sudden somebody says, yeah, and I, it scared me, so I reared back, and I almost bumped into this man. And then I realized was, it wasn't a bug. It was prominent man. <laughs> well, say, I, 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 I walked backwards and bumped into this guy that was wearing this such and such. And, oh. you know, that could be so much to us. People just don't realize. And, you know, and people, they don't have to know what we're looking for to talk I to. I am us. taking calls from people at all hours. Like I've I've had phone calls in the middle of the night. I've been up on the phone with sources till two o'clock in the morning. And I guarantee you that there is nobody on this planet that has no no one person on this planet that's put as much time into this case as you and I have. Um I don't say one, I guess I should say two, but but uh, but between the two of us, I mean, you know, we've put we've put so much time into this case, and I feel like I just want people to know that it is not about anything other than justice for Karen. And whatever the answer is, whatever the truth is, that is what we are after, and nothing else. Um, and if you don't said, want to get involved, if you don't want to get involved. Contact us anonymously. Well, that You're being con- said, um, I wanted to kind of go over, like, what, just just some things real quick. I just want to go over some bullet points of what we do know. And, you know, in our, in our first episode, you know, we were kind of just going over, you know, tips and our theories and whatever. And 
And uh, and then our second episode was just kind of discussing some of the leads and some of the confirmations that we had gotten and, and solidifying our theories. And now for this one, what I want to do is give you what we know based on our investigation. And, um, and, and I'm going to keep it um, as factual as possible and keep in mind that, um, that, you know, some of the things that I want to share don't necessarily, um, don't necessarily give a conclusion as to who, what, when, why, or how, but rather just kind of gives you an idea of where we are. And that is this. So what we know is that Karen on October 29th, 2011, she, I'm going to have to pause for a second because I want to get my report in front of me. I should have done that already. Um, Are you still there? Yeah, I put myself on mute. Okay, I just want to make sure you're still. Um, Okay. All right. So what we know at this point is that on October 29th, 2011, Karen went to a Halloween party at the Farms Golf Club with her acquaintances um, slash friends, Bill and Kathy Bona, and that Bill and Kathy were very good friends, very um, very close acquaintances of Karen's. Um, she had recently been on a trip with them to um, Gulf Shores, and during that trip, uh, her husband, David Swift, was served with divorce papers. And Karen took her daughters with her on that trip, um, not her sons, but just her daughters. And um, Bill and Kathy Bona were also funding her divorce and providing her with a cell phone that was on business line um, so that night on October 29th 2011 Karen is at this party and she messaged um, her good friend Jenny Gurian um, this ha- this happens to be one of the last correspondences that Karen has on her normal phone on the phone that she shares with her husband, David. Um, And so she's telling Jenny Garion that she's not having fun and she's feeling like a third wheel. And Jenny encourages her to just try to have a good time, you know, go to the bar and um, see if she can find somebody she knows. And Karen tells her, well, everybody here is in costume. She can't tell who anybody is. but later that night, um, Karen gets a phone call, and um, 
this is uh, sometime after 1 a.m., she gets a phone call that her oldest daughter, who is at another Halloween party um, at her friend's house, wasn't feeling well, wasn't feeling, oh, wow, the Dyersburg just really came out in me. I've been talking. I've been talking to the Southerners way too much lately. But <laughs> so anyway, um, th that was not to poke fun at y'all, I promise. Um, I uh, absolutely adore some of you. But sure. <laughs> but no, really. I mean, I just, it's funny, you know, with cases, how um, every case I've worked, I've walked away with some friends. And I do feel like I've made some lifelong friends in this case. And some really good people that um, have come forward and people that were very close to Karen and I'm happy that I've met them. But but back to um, back to what we were saying that um, later that night, you know, um, Karen's oldest daughter isn't feeling well. She leaves to go pick her up and she gets home with her daughter sometime around 1.45 a.m. And um, she lays down with her daughter but her daughter from what i understand remembers um uh karen putting her into the bed with her younger sister so she transfers she transfers her over i believe to um the other bed with with her uh with with her younger sister and you know, from here, it's kind of a guessing game because nobody really knows what Karen did at this point. But what we do know, so that's going to be sometime around 2 a.m. So we've got this gap of time between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. At 5 a.m., neighbor Marty Lamb notices Karen's white Nissan Murano parked at the intersection of Harness and Millsfield, which is less than a mile from the Swift residence. In fact, I was there, and you can pretty much see the Swift residence from where her car was. Um, the vehicle had a flat tire, and um, Mr. Lamb didn't think anything suspicious of it at the time. He didn't call the police. He just figured she had a flat tire. She probably jogged on home, you know, so terribly close. There was no reason for any alarm. Um, so, uh, what we know at this point <clears throat> is that, um, the daughter wakes up and notices that, that her mom is gone. She's very upset. She won't eat breakfast without her. Um, and, um, around noon, uh, more like, uh, I think about 12.20 p.m., um, David Swift calls the neighbor, Jennifer Lamb, to see if she would watch the girls while he looks out, uh, while he goes out looking for the victim. I'm sorry, while he goes out looking for Karen. Um, this is when David learns of the vehicle being down the street. Um, Ms. Lamb informs him the vehicle was at the corner of Harness and Millfield. And... Um, she was not able to watch the girls because she was having lunch with her parents. Um, so Mr. Swift takes the girls with him and they go to the vehicle and they see the flat tire. Um, 
At this time, David uses his key to access the inside of the vehicle. He realizes um, that there's a cooler of beer in the backseat of the car. It's got a few missing. Um, sometime around 1230, between 1230 and 1245, he calls Sheriff Jeff Fox on his cell phone to um, report that Karen was missing. And Jeff Fox tells him to call dispatch, which he does immediately. A day or two after the Halloween party, which, um, as we know, as we've already discussed, um, uh, witnesses don't seem to remember the exact date that this happened, but we have several, several uh, statements, including um, employees and owners of the Farms Golf Club, that um, there was a break-in and that security cameras were pretty much all that were targeted. Um, there was some discussion about how it had to have been an inside job because whoever did it knew where the wires were outside to cut. So then we have on November 8th, 2011, um, there's a conversation between um, uh, someone who I'm going to leave um, omitted at this time, and um, the Bonas. And the Bonas are admitting that um, they were providing a cell phone to Karen at that time, and uh, they are talking about um, um, they're talking about the victim in past tense which um, to me was uh, slightly alarming. I'm not saying it means anything, but in uh, statement analysis classes that you and I, Tracy, have taken, that is um, one thing that they teach us to look out for. And I have a quote from Kathy Bona that says, I have been as honest as possible with the police. I have nothing to hide. She was my best friend. This happens to be nine days after. Um, and I'd like to in, in, interject that uh, there is a recording of this information. Yes, this is this this is uh, very easy to be proven. So I would not be talking about it if it wasn't. Um, so then we've got um, uh, within a week of the victim's disappearance, we've got um, other people who are witnessing prominent man and and uh at this point we have four people that have that have placed him over there in the area where the body was found with a metal detector. Um we know that the I have a area... question on the metal detector. Um this does he must have been out there more than one day. I don't know. Because for all these that's what I'm wondering and I know they don't have exact time. Right. But it seems that a, a lot of people did see this man. Um, well, and you've got one person saying he's wearing shorts and a T-shirt. You've got another person saying he's in um, khakis. So um, that's two different days. So that's got to be two different days, right. But um, so then... Moving on, um, we know that that area was searched on November 10th, 2011, and nothing was discovered on that day. So 
fast forward an entire month on December 10th, 2011, the victim's body is recovered on the left-hand side of a clay gravel road leading into Bledsoe Cemetery from Harness Road. Then, on August 23rd, 2012, an inmate breaks into the white Nissan Murano um, that's subject of this investigation, uh, Karen's vehicle that's found on the side of the road with a flat tire. This is, um, gosh, that's uh, a year and nine months. A year and nine, a year and nine months after her body is found, after the vehicle is um, is um, impounded. Impounded, and this right. is what's kind of crazy because I've 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 it's hard for me to um, comprehend in my mind. Um, it, to comprehend, yes, but to reconcile. Mm-hmm. The impound lot is adjacent to the jail. I, I've i heard a couple different things, but I did hear that it was actually in a garage, possibly. Um, but despite, I mean, regardless of where it was, it's really... Well, in proximity, I'm talking about did a guy break out of jail, run no. five miles down the road... no. Or was it closer? Well, I think it was closer. But this is what this is what we do know. Okay, I'm not going to speculate about how far it was or if he broke out or how that happened. I don't I don't know how it happened. The point is, it happened. Um, inmate Kevin Ross breaks into the white Nissan Murano, which is registered to David, but as we know, that's the vehicle that Karen was driving, um, and you know that vehicle. Um, I think let's let's talk about the fact that he was even able to break into that vehicle. That tells me that this vehicle is not being supervised very well. It's it's accessible. You yeah, know? that's I mean, kind of crazy. Uh, they don't have uh, video on an impound lot near where, if somebody does escape from jail, mm-hmm. the first place they would go is right to get a car. Right. So, you know, and, 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 believe we, that? and we have these court documents. This is a fact that the um, vehicle was subject to uh, $2,500 in vandalism damages, and Mr. Ross was ordered to pay Chase Auto Finance $100 a month in restitution. Um, David Swift is 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 uh, named the victim um initially, and then it's changed to Chase Auto Finance. And um, then later they actually end up uh, selling that vehicle. That vehicle goes back to Chase Auto Finance, and they end up selling it. So um, that's August 23rd, 2012. On April 3rd, 2013, Chief Investigator Terry McCrate of the Dyer County Sheriff's Department submitted the right front tire of the Nissan Murano to the Standards Testing Laboratory in Massillon, Ohio, for testing. Now, let's look at these dates again. Uh, The vehicle is impounded on December 10, 2011. The car is broken into on August 23, 2012. We've got one year, nine months there. Now, April 3, 2013, August, uh, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, Uh, Eight months later, 
eight months after the vehicle is broken into, the tire is sent off for testing. June 9th, they receive a report from that laboratory saying that um, the uh, screw that had caused the flat tire had been screwed in manually. Um, and somehow from this conclusion, they've decided that um, the murder occurred at David Swift's residence. And on July 3rd, 2013, he is served with a search warrant based on those conclusions. So um, these are the, these are just the facts um, as we know them, you know, kind of a timeline of events, of, of um, uh, significant events in the case. Um, and, you know, from our, I don't even know, um, dozens of interviews and, and many, many hours, you know, of information that we have. Um, now, you have documentation on all of these, right? Written reports, documentations with the dates. Everything. So this is not in question. This is not someone that said, oh, this happened this date and this happened this date. These are not something that you've taken into account because somebody told you this. These no. are actual documentation, documents. The, things that, the, the facts that I just went down, the things that I just shared with you um, are all documented. Um, I mean, well, everything's documented, but the only thing in there that's based solely on word of mouth would be the um, break-in at the farms. Right. So, and, that's, and that's, even though that is solely word of mouth, it's word of many mouths. So, um, and a unified mouth. Right. Um, the, um, the people, the voices speaking out mm -hmm. of the town of Dyersburg. Um, so these aren't things you've made up. These are not things that are negative. I couldn't make this shit up. Right. I mean, I'm... I know. Is that serious? I know. It's like nobody would believe all this. Well, And there's so much more that we don't say. But right. by the time you get through it all, you're going, excuse me? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so this these aren't just cute little, oh, this is what so-and-so said, and then we pieced together a timeline. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is a timeline you have pieced together from documents from legal documents a lot of them yeah and reports mm -hmm. from professional reports not right. ones that somebody typed up on their on their home computer these mm -hmm. are actual documentation yep so i think we did very well tonight yeah, me too. And I think we've covered I think yeah. we've covered what we needed to and um all is good. Okay, guys, this concludes our discussion tonight about the murder of Karen Swift. If you have any questions or comments about this show, please feel free to contact us at the final report podcast at gmail.com or you can call our eight hundred number 
866-465-0888.